Merry Christmas, everyone. We are right in the middle of the holiday season. Everyone is rushing around to get all of the to-do lists done, and you have chosen to spend some time with us here at Mandarin Baptist Church. Thank you so very, very much. Be sure to visit our website at mandarinbaptist.org. Once there, you will find all the information you need, including links to our Facebook and YouTube. In John chapter 1, we read these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We are right in the middle of the Advent season. Advent is the eager expectation of something much anticipated. Scripture reveals the nation of Israel desperately waiting on the coming Messiah. We, the church, the bride of Christ, now waiting for his return. We are watching with expectation. We are bursting with anticipation. We're on the edge of our seats, ready at any given moment to celebrate the King of Kings as he steps into our brokenness to make things right, to make things new, to make his name glorious here among us. Are you watching with us? Behold. After a year like 2020, I think that's a song that many of us can just cling to. As we've watched just the craziness of this past year unfold, it as well as really became a heart cry for myself. And regardless of the circumstances that we might find ourselves in, for us to be able to sing that truth really carries and sustains us because it is in the gospel that we're able to say it as well. Regardless of the circumstances that we face as individuals, as a group, uh, it is the gospel that pins us to be able to say it is well. It is well, church. What a way for us to begin to look at Scripture and to begin this communion moment by simply claiming it as well because of who Jesus is. Church, I'm excited to worship and talk with you this morning. You can take a seat. And uh, this morning, we are going to be doing communion. And if you walked in late or you just missed it, uh, there are communion tables up here to the left and in the back of the room where you can grab a communion cup. We have these nifty little plastic uh, containers that have juice and a wafer in it. And so feel free anytime in the message to go grab one. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. And, you know, about a week and a half ago, Garrett asked, he's like, hey, what are some th songs that you're thinking about as we just approach this communion uh, service? And it as well was one of them. And it's because, as, you know, as we are in the midst of a pandemic, as we face uh, just crazy social issues this past year, like racial injustice, as we um, have just struggled in the midst of uh, political polarization, as we uh, have had our own personal problems and our own families, I think just the simple phrase of saying, it is well, is so grounding for us. It's so important for us to be able to, to look at the world around us and to look at the issues that we're facing and to simply to say, you know what, it is chaos, but because of Jesus, it is well. 
Uh, this past week, I was on a run, and I was just praying through some of the, the, the parts of this message, and uh, just spending some time with the Lord, and um, the book of Hebrews was brought to mind, and we're not going to be in Hebrews, but I think it's a great introduction for us uh, as we approach the communion table later. Uh, the book of Hebrews is written to a group of believers um, that are in the midst of just uh, social upheaval, uh, economic uh, upheaval. There's a lot of doubt. They are um, believers who are kind of the outcasts of society, and they're like, Jesus, what are you going to do in our lives? How are you going to work? Uh, how can we see you move? And the first six or seven chapters of the book of Hebrews, and one of the major themes of the entire book, is finding rest. That we don't find rest from the work that we do. We find rest from the one who's already done the work in Jesus. And the one who promises rest in Jesus, he is more than faithful and more than capable to be our great high priest. And the one who is capable of forgiving us of our sins. The one that we can find hope in. The one that we can rest in when the world around us is in chaos. Because of who Jesus is, a follower is able to experience rest in an unrestful world. We're able to experience rest in an unrestful world. And as we rest in Christ, we are able to anticipate what he is going to do in and through us and around us. We just wrapped up a beautiful Advent season, and we are um, just so grateful for the opportunity over the past month to just be able to celebrate Jesus coming into earth in the form of a baby and would ultimately die for our sins. And it's this beautiful truth that we celebrate the Messiah coming to earth. The Advent season isn't just about Jesus as the baby coming in a manger, but it's also the anticipation of Jesus coming back, the anticipation of what Jesus is going to do in the work of all creation. And this anticipation doesn't end with Advent. In fact, it moves and lives within us as we go about our, day, our days the rest of the year. This anticipation um, is because of who Jesus is and how he's at work in us. Today, as we talk about communion and dig into some of the meaning about it, um, communion moves us um, and it moves that anticipation within us for how Christ is going to work in our lives, how he's going to move among not only our faith family, but our individual families and us as individuals. And we anticipate Christ doing much as we pursue after him. You see, communion reminds us of the rest that we have in Christ. And aligns our hearts with him. And so today, as we unpack some scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, my prayer is that, that we would be aligned with the heart of God, that our lives would, would align up with what he has for us, that we would find rest as we pursue him. We would find rest in the chaos, because I have news for you. As we go from 2020 into 2021, all of our problems aren't going to be fixed. I know everyone's banking on that, but I hate to be the one who disappoints you. I'll go ahead and be the one who disappoints you. You can blame me. 2021 isn't going to fix all of our problems. But, I know, Jeff, I know it's crazy, but because we find rest in Jesus, we can claim it as well. Because we find rest in Jesus, we can press onward and press inward into a chaotic world and find hope. So um, today is, um, if you haven't looked at your calendars, you know how they have the odd holidays in your calendars? 
It might, it's an obscure holiday today. It's National Youth Pastor Preaches Sunday, all right? So um, across the nation, youth pastors are filling pulpits, and um, I was joking about this with Rick in our first service. And so anyways, our pastor is on uh, some much-needed rest with his family in the mountains. And so get ready across the nation. Controversial things are being said. And uh, you can direct all questions to msiegel at mandarinbaptist.org. Uh, so anyways, uh, but anyways, today we get the joy of walking through communion together. And as we prepare to look at scripture, I would just like to pray for us. And then we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, Jesus, we love you, and we are just so grateful to be yours. We are so grateful for the gift of the gospel. We're so grateful that you would die for us and that we could have hope in you, Father. God, I pray that as we spend time talking about that gift of salvation, as we spend time talking about communion, Father, God, our hearts would just be warm to the gospel. We would be warm to just the beauty and the wonder of the gospel. And because of that, our lives, we would experience peace, we would experience hope, but we would also experience purpose. And so, Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, um, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's three simple truths about communion that I want us to walk away with and prepare our hearts for taking communion together as the body. The first is communion calls us to unity. Communion calls us to unity. And you might be wondering, how does the scripture that we just read lead us to unity? Well, if you back up starting in verse 17, uh, Paul addresses some issues within the Corinthian church. You see what happened was, was the Corinthian church decided to send some, a letter to Paul saying how faithful and how awesome they were being and how awesome and powerful their worship services were and just how God was moving and stirring. And Paul began to observe and hear some things from some other people and he was like, hold up. There's some major issues going on. And in verse 17, he just begins to outline some of them. Uh, in verse 17, he summarizes a lot of the issues, basically saying your gathering is doing more harm than good. And you might be asking, well, why is their gathering doing more harm than good? Well, if you unpack verses 17 through 22, you'll find that as they gathered for worship and communion, uh, they were getting drunk together. As they gathered for worship and communion, they were showing favoritism to those who were wealthy in the church. And as they were gathering uh, for worship, they were showing favoritism to those who had wealth and power. And they were, uh, they were uh, pushing aside those who were, were poor and impoverished. And there was great division among the church. There was great division. There wasn't unity. They weren't bound together in the same mission. And so what Paul begins to say, he say, hey, like you're doing more harm than good by coming together. Let's get focused on what communion does. And one of the, thing communion, one of the things that communion does for us is it brings unity. 
It brings this unity around the heart of who Jesus is. I want to just, just kind of go through a bunch of scripture real fast. They're not coming up on the screen. So if you're a note taker, just jot down these references and buckle up and write along with this. 1 Corinthians 1.10, which is one of the major themes of 1 Corinthians, it says this, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree in what you say, that there is no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ. John 13.35 says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then you have Philippians 2.3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. Do you notice a theme here? The importance of unity, the importance of uh, selflessness, the importance of coming together around who Jesus is. If you look through the New Testament, it's one of the themes of the early church, this idea of coming together, this idea of coming together under the authority and love of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. This binds us together. This, this love that, that God has poured, poured out to us in his son is what binds us together. And it's not about the status that we might walk in with this room or the things that we've done, but it's who Jesus, has, who Jesus is and what he's done for us that binds us together. What's odd about what happened uh, here with the church of Corinth is the church in the New Testament times was one of the most diverse and interesting groups of people that you would look at. It was a group of not only those who were wealthy, but those who were poor. Different social and economic backgrounds, different races coming together, and oftentimes many of them were the outcasts of society. All coming together for what? all coming together because of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. You see, we as the church are an example to the world around us of what it looks like to come together because all of us are made in the image of God. All of us are brought together through the same purpose, and that is to come together in the name of Jesus. See, communion calls us to unity. Communion calls us to set aside our divisions. Our, uh, communion calls us to set aside what maybe is differences between us. It calls us to, to come together and what makes us unique and together. And that is who Jesus is. He binds us together. You know, today, because of COVID, we're not able to do communion in my favorite way. And my favorite way to do communion is um, a little gross and um, some people might have the heebie-jeebies about it, but when you have one loaf of bread and one cup and everyone picks from the same loaf of bread and either dips from the same cup or drinks from the same cup, and you're like, that's gross. It is a little gross. Um, and, but the reason why it's my favorite type of communion is my favorite way to do communion is because it's, it's how really the early church would have done it. They didn't have these cute little packets and little wafers and, uh, and, and these little packets of juice, but they would have come together after a meal and just grabbed from the same piece of bread and dunk in the same juice or drank from the same cup. And it's really this beautiful symbolism of how we are all part of one body. We're all part of one body, and Jesus died for each one of us within the body. And his blood was poured out for us so that we could experience the forgiveness of our sins and walk in purpose. This symbolism all coming from this one body is what unites us. In a year like 2020, there's a lot that divides. 
But for us as the church, let it be the body of Christ that unites us. Let us come together around who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And from that, from that unity in Christ, we find unity in mission. You see, um, one of the commentators said, I love this uh, about communion that it says, and I'm just going to read a really long quote to you. And it says this, The Eucharist communion uh, celebration demands reconciliation and sharing among all those regarded as brothers and sisters in the one family of God and is a, con- and a, and is a constant challenge in the search for appropriate relationship in social, economic, and political life. All kinds of injustice, racism, separation, and lack of freedom are radically challenged when we share in the body and blood of Christ. As participants in communion, therefore, we prove inconsistent if we are not actively participating in the ongoing restoration of the world situation and the human condition. You're like, that's a lot. We are doing a disservice and proving consistent when we take the Lord's Supper and don't pursue the same mission together. You see, Jesus stepped out of his place in heaven and, and put on the form of a bondservant, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, so that each and every one of us could find freedom from our sin. So each and every one of us could find freedom from the things that bind us to this earth, to the things that we find brokenness in. He came so that we could find freedom. Our role and purpose as a church is to walk out as vessels being remade in the image of God, being remade and rebuilt because of his sacrifice. Our role is then to walk out changed and on mission together. You see, what communion does, it doesn't always bind us in unity together under Christ. It binds us together in unity and mission. It reminds us our lives are not our own. Our lives, our purpose in life is to step in broken and uncomfortable situations and be vessels of hope. Our purpose in mission isn't to build up our kingdom, but to make much of his kingdom, regardless of what that might cost us. You see, communion reminds us of the cost that it cost Jesus to die for our sins. And from that, we rally and find hope in that mission. The second thing that we learn, if you look in uh, verses 27 through 34 with me, it says this. So whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink uh, from the cup. Forever eats and drinks without recognizing the body and eats and drinks uh, the cup. Uh, I just lost myself. Eats and drinks has fallen. I'm so sorry. Starting in verse 29. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks uh, judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would be not be judged, but we would be judged by the Lord who are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. There's a lot to unpack in this verse, and sadly, we're not going to have a ton of time um, to, to, to go into all the nuances of this. But what Paul is beginning to say, he's saying, hey, church, you were coming together, and you were focused on the wrong things. You were clearly not living of the Lord. Your hearts were not aligned with the Lord. Come together. Communion brings unity to you. And not only does it bring unity, we, it calls us to reflect. It causes us to self-examine where we are. And what Paul is writing here, and he he talks about a lot of complex things here, but his ultimate goal for the church is to simply self-examine as you come to the communion table. 
Simply self-examine and ask questions and, and start with where is your heart as you come to the table. Don't come to the communion table flippantly is what he's saying. Stop and examine your heart. Examine and maybe just ask the question, uh, reflect on what God is doing in your life. Maybe reflect on sin that has quietly entered your life. Maybe we need to reflect on sin that is wrecking our life right now. Maybe we need to to stop and reflect on relationships that we need to reconcile. Maybe we need to reflect on decisions that we made and do they line up with the heart of Christ. Maybe some of us just need to reflect on the joy of the gospel. What Paul is challenging the church of Corinth and us today is before we come to the communion table, don't just go through the motions with it. Take some time to examine your heart. Take some time to examine How God is at work in your life. Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and just ask the question, Holy Spirit, what needs to change in my heart? I had a seminary professor. uh, His name was Dr. Kendrick. And uh, at this point, he's probably in his mid to early 70s. And uh, he was a fascinating human being. And I love him dearly. And uh, he was adopted from Korea, from the streets in Korea. And he was a part of a family here in the United States. And he has an incredible gospel story. And one of the ways that God just worked in his life was through his wife. And he jokingly referred to his wife as the Holy Spirit at times, um, even though that's a theological wormhole. But he would like refer to, you know, oftentimes his wife would correct him. And one of the habits that Dr. Kendrick uh, would, would talk about that he would have frequently is him and his wife would do communion uh, at least monthly together. And he would ask the question, how have you seen God in my life? They would ask this to each other. He would ask the question, how have you seen God move in my life? And then he would ask the question, how does the Holy Spirit need to move in my life so I can be more like Jesus? You see, as we come to the communion table, yes, we need to stop and remember what Jesus has done for us. But we just need to stop and examine our lives to make sure our lives line up with how uh, Jesus is moving and stirring in our life. We need to stop and examine uh, the decisions and maybe where we're heading, the direction that we're going, so that our hearts would fully align with Jesus. As we joked about earlier, 2021 isn't going to be magically fixed. But what would 2021 look like if all of us uh, postured ourselves in such a way that say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. You can change whatever you need to change to make me look more like Jesus. That's a really bold thing to say. It's an even bolder thing to pray. So the communion table, it calls us to reflect. It calls us to reflect where we are, how God is moving. And ultimately, communion calls us back to the gospel. Communion calls us back to the gospel because we, uh, we get distracted really easy. We are quick to forget the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, This past week, uh, Lauren and I got to spend some time with our family, and it was awesome to spend time with uh, Gammy and Pappy, and Ollie had a blast. One thing about our son, Ollie, he's about 18 months old, and every button he finds, he is going to press. There is not a button in our house that hasn't been unpressed. There's not a button in a vehicle that hasn't been unpressed. If he walks into a room, he is going to look for every single button and press it. It's just a part of who he is. Um, It's a ton of fun, but my parents have a gas stove, and um, the, the knobs are on the like, front end of the stove where little hands can reach. 
And so about every day, about 40 times a day, um, we would have to remind Ollie not to hit the stovetop. Um, and, you know, it was just this cute little thing where he would go and touch it, and then he'd look back at you like, I'm so cute, you're going to tell me now. And then he would walk away, and five minutes later, he would go back to the switch, and then you would tell him and remind him, and he would go back. And in that moment, it's like, oh, my goodness, child, I love you so much, but you need to stop. He's quick to forget. Many of us are so quick to forget the joy of the gospel that we've received. We get caught up in the things around us. We get caught in the chaos of this world. And, and that's not to, uh, to, to take lightly the things going on around us. There's a lot of serious things, both personally and as a society, we're all facing. But I wonder how our perspective would change when we focus on the joy of the gospel in our life in the light of the circumstances that we face. See, that's what communion does for us. It calls us back to the main thing. It says there's a lot of things going on, but Jesus, in one of his very strict instructions he gave us to observe, the, the, to observe communion together in remembrance of him, he's saying this brings us together in unity. It calls us to, to reflect on our lives, but most importantly, it causes us to dwell consistently on the beauty of the gospel. This Christmas season, uh, I read uh, just a guy who, he, he's a pastor and, a, and a, uh, um, a seminary professor. His name's Dan DeWitt. And he said this beautiful statement about the Christmas season that I absolutely love. And it calls us back to the beauty of the gospel. As Jesus stepped from heaven, the incarnation means he, being Jesus, became like us. Like us. The resurrection means we will become like him. Communion is one of those moments where our hearts are rekindled with the beauty of the gospel, where we're reminded of just the beauty and wonder that Jesus would choose to step out of his place in heaven to die for you, to die for me, so that we could not only experience forgiveness, but we could experience purpose. We could experience hope. In the midst of unforeseeable, challenging situations, we could say it is well. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So church, I pray that as we prepare to take communion here in a moment, that it would just be a moment where we are just overcome with the joy of the gospel. Where that joy of the gospel overflows into every aspect of our life. Where the joy of the gospel becomes the defining thing in our life. And when we partake in the communion cup together, and we break the bread together, it is a reminder that Jesus died and rose again for you so that you could experience hope. Thank you so much for joining us in our Behold series. Church, in this hurried time, we hope and pray that we can all make space for God to speak to us and to soak in his word, watching for him in all areas of our lives. For more messages, events, and information on how you can take your next step with us, visit our website at mandarinbaptist.org. You will find everything you need there, including links to our social media. Take a look at our show notes where we provide comments and questions for discussion to take one step deeper into scripture and gospel conversations. We love you, church. And we cannot wait to hear what God is doing in your life. We'll see you next time.